All right, we are in a series called Let's Go. And last week, how many of you were here last week? And we got the message. All right, we talked about, a, if you weren't here, please listen to it because we talked about coming in and going out. We got it. I know I told you to turn 2 Samuel 11. Let me just show you where we got it from. 1 Kings 3, verse 7. Solomon said, Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David, but I am a little child and I do not know how to go out or come in. And we took this phrase, coming in and going out, and looked at it all through Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, and we saw that that is a military term. It refers to war, and we are all still in a war today, a spiritual war, and coming in refers to worship, and going out refers to witnessing. And so we talked last week about coming into God's presence, and as uh, we talked about laying down burdens, we talked about uh, worshiping God on a daily basis. But we not only need to come in, we need to go out. We not only need to worship, we need to witness. Now I want to ask you a question. What would happen, do you think, to a person, God designed us to come in and go out, God designed us to worship and witness, what would happen if a person said, well, I'm going to spend the rest of my life just coming into God's presence? I want you to think about this. It doesn't sound like a bad thing. I'm going to spend the rest of my life simply worshiping God. I'm going to worship God all the time. I'm just going to come in. I'm not going to go out anymore. I'm just going to come in to God's presence. That really doesn't sound like a bad thing. But I want you to understand something. It actually does have bad implications. Now listen to me very carefully. Because God designed you to be a river, not a reservoir. If you've ever driven by some water that looked polluted and looked bad and you look over at it and it's got that skim on top of it, you know, and you think, ooh, I wouldn't want to swim there. Now listen to me very carefully. That is water. That's a, a body of water that has water coming in but not going out. Listen, when it rains, when there's runoff, water comes in. But the reason it's polluted because it doesn't go out. God designed us to receive and give, to receive and give. And when you stop giving, when you stop doing what Mike and Karen in that video did with Micah, when you stop ministering to people, you're in trouble. And I'll prove it to you. We looked last week, Solomon said, I don't know how to do what my father David did. He knew how to come in and go out. He knew how to worship and witness. But David, we know, was a man after God's own heart. We, knew, we know he was a great worshiper. We also know something else about David. This great man of God fell. We know he had a moral failure. Wouldn't it be amazing if the Bible told us why? Wouldn't that be great so that we could avoid this? And wouldn't it be amazing if it had something to do with coming in and going out? Anyone have any idea where I'm going with this? 2 Samuel 11, verse 1. It happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings, would you say these next two words, all the campuses, would you say these next two words out loud? When the kings when the kings go out to battle, that David sent. He didn't go. He stopped going. He sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. And they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David went to church. 
David remained at Jerusalem. David continued to come in, but he stopped going out. Verse 2, the very next verse. Then it happened. Then is when it happened. Then is when it happened. One evening that David arose from his bed, walked on the roof of the king's house, and from the roof he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful to behold. One of my friends preached a message called, On the Balcony with Binoculars. <laughs> okay, I have a very simple question for you. It's really simple. Would David have ever even seen Bathsheba if he had been where he was supposed to be? David fell when he stopped going out. We took this phrase, come in and go out, come in and go out. Solomon said, I don't know how to do something my father knew how to do. He knew how to come in and he knew how to go out. But one day he stopped going out. It's because God designed you to give. He designed you to be someone where life is flowing out of you. Listen to me carefully. When you stop giving, you turn inward. Now, it'd be great if you turned only upward, but you don't. You turn inward, and you begin to want to get your own needs satisfied and met. And the way you get your needs satisfied is by giving. David began to look at his own needs, and here's the other thing. All of us have God-given needs. Here's the problem. Satan tries to tell us how to fill those God-given needs with a substitute that will not fill those God-given needs. And that's exactly what happens. See, the name of this series is Let's Go. Now, I want you to think about this because all of us have this tendency. When we announce a sermon series, we kind of have a tendency, all of us, as to what am I going to get out of this? How's this going to help me? Oh, Pastor Robert's about to preach on my best friend, the Holy Spirit. That's good. What's the Holy Spirit do for me? Oh, now he's going to preach on the Bible, a series on the Bible. What's God's word do for me? Okay, the new sermon series, let's go. Mm, I don't know if I like that that much. That kind of means something I'm going to have to do. Listen to me carefully. You reach out to others, it'll do something for you. If you notice in the video how happy Mike and Karen were, the people who reached out were as happy or happier than the one that got reached out to. It's amazing. All right, turn to Luke chapter 14. Here's a New Testament now picture of coming in and going out. And the last, last week's message was coming in. The title of this week is Going Out. If you want a title, put down a title. If you take notes and you want to put the title down, the title is Going Out. Last week, coming in, going out. Luke 14, verse 15. Now, when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then he said to him, a certain man, now notice, then he, Jesus, said to him, this is the man that said, blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then Jesus said, a certain man gave a great supper and invited many and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, come, or we could say, come in, come in, for all things are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I bought a piece of ground. I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. And another said, I bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house being angry said to his servant, would you say these words all the campuses out loud? Go 
out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in, sounds a lot like come in, bring in here the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind. And by the way, I just want to remind you, that's us. That's us. We're the ones that got invited to this supper that were not first invited. The poor, the maimed, lame, and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded, and still there is room. Then the master said to that servant, would you say these words out loud? Go out, go out into the highways and hedges, watch, and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. Now, this is an amazing story. They're sitting around there having dinner with Jesus. One says, boy, it's going to be great to eat in heaven. And Jesus says, let me tell you about that supper. Remember, Revelation tells us about the marriage supper of the Lamb. He says, let me tell you something about that. And he goes into this story, and, and it's a parable. I, I've given it my own name, though, okay? So it's kind of a humorous thing, I think, when you read this thing. I call it the parable of the great excuses. And I gave each excuse a name, all right? And those are the three points. So if you want to write these down, here's number one. Number one is the case of the missing ground. The case of the missing ground. Here's the reason I say this. This guy said, I bought some ground and I need to go look at it. Why? It's not going anywhere. Ground has never gotten up and left. No one steals ground. Maybe you steal the deed to the ground, but you can't steal the ground. Never have you gone out to look at your ground and say, where's my ground? Someone took my ground. My ground was right here. I, I bought a piece of ground and I need to go look at it. Well, it almost sounds like he bought it without looking at it, doesn't it? I bought some ground and I need to go look at it. Well, why would you buy some ground without looking at it? I mean, it's, that's the way swampland is sold. <laughs> I.e. the Louisiana Purchase. No, I'm just, I'm just joking if you're from Louisiana. <laughs> I'm just wondering when they got down to Southern, what the, oh man, how much did we pay for Okay, so anyway. And then the other thing is these banquets were held at night. Correct me if I'm wrong, but had flashlights been invented yet? <laughs> Car headlights? How are you going to look at it? I bought a piece of ground. I need to go look at it. It's, it's crazy. The case of the missing ground. Here's the second one. The case of the radioactive oxen. Now, here's the reason I say that. I, I bought some oxen. I need to go test them. It's at night. How are you going to plow at night? Apparently, these oxen glowed in the dark. Or one of them had a very shiny nose, and if you ever saw it, you would even say it glows. <laughs> it's just crazy. And maybe he's going to plow the field of the other guy that was going out at night, too, you know? Apparently, these two guys are best friends because they buy things without looking at them. I bought some ground, and now I need to go look at it. I, I, I bought some oxen, and now I need to go test them. It's like saying, I bought a car, and I need to test drive it. You do the test drive before you buy it, right? So the, these excuses make no sense at all. Here, here's the third one. I call it the case of the killer bride. Here, here's why. I, I want you to think about this. These banquets were incredible. These banquets were over the top. We don't 
get as excited about a banquet as, as these people did because we can have just about any kind of food we want, except when you're on a fast, but we can have just about any type of food that we want at any time, but they couldn't. Their diet consisted of a very bland diet, basically the same thing. And sometimes you just had barely enough to feed the family. So when someone was throwing a banquet, it was all sorts of food and it was very generous and you could just go and just gorge. You could just feast, you know. No one turned down banquets. That's why Jesus is using this because it was so foolish to hear these things. You know, I'm wondering if they were just laughing while he was telling this. See, think about this. This guy just got married, okay? Now, I'm, I'm not trying to be insensitive here. I'm really not. But what guy in his right mind who just got married would turn down a banquet and take his chances on what a new bride is going to make? I'm not trying to be insensitive. But I'm simply trying to be honest here. Not all ladies come into the marriage knowing how to cook. Is that right? I mean, some guys, okay, all right, all right, thank you. One guy brave enough and foolish enough to say amen. Okay. I, I remember a friend of mine got married. We went over to his apartment. You know, everyone lived in apartments. You know, you went over to his apartment. Uh, he'd been married one week and opened the door and smoke just billowed out of the apartment. And we went in and they were eating burned baked potatoes. Now that's bad. And in a moment she got up and, and left the room and I said to him, why are you eating this? He said, Shh, don't you say a word. He said, I said something three days ago and you see that couch, that's where I've been sleeping. He said, I'm eating this baked potato. I said, why is it the smoke alarm going off? He said, I unplugged it. <laughs> now, the other thing I think is funny, look back just for a moment. Look, look at verse 18. It says, the first said to him, I bought a piece of ground. I must go and see it. Watch this. I ask you to have me excused. Another said, I bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Another said, I married a wife, therefore I can't come. <laughs> he, he didn't say, I, I could just see the guy at the door say, hey, can you come? Uh, I, can't, I can't come. <laughs> okay. Here's what Jesus is trying to say. Any excuse not to accept Christ is foolish. It's crazy. And, and, and lost people come with all sorts of excuses. I mean, they're just crazy. All right, here's one. Here's a ridiculous excuse. I don't go to church because there are hypocrites there. Okay, well, there are hypocrites at the ball game. There are hypocrites at the golf course. There are a bunch of hypocrites at the golf course, by the way. <laughs> They're hypocrites at the mall. Listen, I, I would rather spend a few years with hypocrites in church than eternity with them in hell. Because that's where they're going. 
A hypocrite is someone who professes to be something he is not. He professes to be a Christian, but he is not a Christian. See, to say I'm going to throw my life away because I saw some counterfeit Christians. It doesn't make sense. It'd be like if you saw me at the window throwing my money out the window. And you say, what are you, what, why, why are you throwing away your money? Well, I saw some counterfeit dollars. So I'm going to throw away my good dollars. See, for you to say, I saw some counterfeit Christians, so I'm going to throw my life away and make any sense. That's what Jesus is trying to say. There's no excuse. There's no reason at all not to accept me. Now, go back, verse 23. It says, then the master said to the servant, go out, remember these words, go out into the highways and hedges and compel, I want to come back to that word compel, compel them to come in that my house may be filled. Now, this Greek word for compel is a very strong, strong word. It means to constrain by force. To constrain by force. It literally has the connotation, we've all seen this at some point or another, probably on a television show or something. It's like when you take a person's arm and you bend it around behind their back and you take them somewhere while they're up on their toes and they can't do anything about it. You just force them to go where you want them to go. Now, here's the reason I want you to understand that. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, listen to me. I want you to go out and constrain people to come in. I'm, I'm glad that you're coming in. I want you to come in. But while there's still time, I want you to go out also. And I want you to get others to come in. Think about this. They're sitting around the table eating with Jesus. And one of the guys says, man, it's going to be so great when we get to eat in the kingdom. And immediately, Jesus' mind does not go to those who are going to be with him at the meal. His mind goes to those who are not going to be there. And there's one reason that they're not going to be there. They haven't accepted the invitation. But there's another reason, too, when you think about it. Maybe we didn't invite them. And so here's what he says. In essence, it just, it just listen to how strong this is. In essence, he says, get your feet out from under my table and go out and get them to come in while there's still time. Because there's going to be a day when the master rises and shuts the door and no one can come in. So go get them right now. See, in the same way that, that lost people use excuses not to come to Christ, Listen to me, Christians use excuses not to witness. That's crazy. I mean, our, our excuses are just as crazy. Okay, here's a crazy one. Here's a crazy one, all right? You go in a store and you're buying something and someone says to you, hey, uh, doesn't your son play on the same soccer team my son plays on? Yeah, good. Hey, good to meet you. Where, where do y'all live? Oh, yeah, we live just right around the corner from you. You sit there and you start talking and then you have this little thought, invite her to church. And here's what we do. On the inside, this is what we, we think. We say, God, is that you? <laughs> Lord, if, if I just knew for sure that that was you leading me to invite her to church, Lord, you know me. I w-. And the Lord's thinking, yes, I know you. <laughs> God, is that you? Can you, listen, okay, can we just settle it for all? Let's just settle it today. Satan is not going to tell you to invite people to church. 
Okay, let's just settle that. And you say, well, I know it's not the devil, but it might be me. No, you're not that spiritual. (laughs) That is not you. That's God. When you have that thought, it's God. Well, what if they say no? It's okay, you planted the seed. You did what God told you to do. See, witnessing is really easy. Can I tell you how easy? It's very, very easy. As a matter of fact, it actually happens naturally unless you stop it. Let me say that again. It happens naturally unless you stop it. Because here's what witnessing is. It's talking about someone you love. That's all it is. And think about this. We talk about coming in and going out. Listen to me. When a man falls in love with a woman, he wants to do two things. He wants to spend time with her and he wants to talk about her. And you think about it. I mean, all of a sudden, this guy who's running around doing things with his buddies and his friends and all, all of a sudden, he's not there. What's he doing? He's spending time with her. And then when he does get with his friends, what's he want to do? Talk about her. He just wants to spend time with her and talk about her. You think about it. Now, from a guy's standpoint, all of a sudden, we just know one of our guys went missing. <laughs> We're just kind of like, where's Bill? Anyone seen Bill? Where's Bill? You know, next thing you know, two weeks later, you see Bill. He's at a mall carrying a purse. <laughs> he never went to the mall before. <laughs> Why? Because he wants to spend time with her. And when he's not with her, I remember one time doing a premarital counseling for a guy, and all this guy did was talk about it. He said, oh, I just met the Pastor Robert. I just met Pastor Robert. I met this girl. Oh, she's a prayer. And he just talked, 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 talked. You know what he's doing, don't you? Listen, it's real simple. He's witnessing to me. He's witnessing to me about someone he's in love with. And I couldn't stop him. Okay, it's that simple. I'm asking you to spend time with him. And I promise you, if you spend time with him, then you talk about him. Spend time with him, talk. Coming in, going out. You, you, you catching it? Just spend time with him and talk about him. Now, there's another excuse that I want to take away, but I'm going to do it in a little different way. I, I brought you all a gift. Every campus, South Lake NRH, Harkins, I brought everyone a gift. If you're seated on the left aisle, the left end of the, of the row, my right, your left, there should be a bucket under the seat or beside the seat there. If you'll pick that up, it's a little lead fishing weight. Take one out. Go ahead and do it right now and do it quickly, all right? Take one out and then pass the bucket down as quickly as you can. And this is one per person, not one per family. I want everyone to have one. All, all the cameras, Southlake, NRH, uh, Harkins. I want everyone to get you one of these little fishing weights, all right? And when it gets to the end of the road, just put it under the seat beside you there, and the ushers will take care of it. If you're at the end of the aisle, you just put it beside your seat or under your seat. Okay, I'm going to give you a moment so everyone can uh, get one. I want everyone to get this. And what I'm going to do with this is I'm going to tell you something that's going to take away the number one excuse for the reason people don't witness. And this is going to be something you can keep with you. Um, You can get them at Walmart if you lose it. I want you to go buy one. If you lose it, go buy one immediately. And they come in bags. You can get 15 or 20 in a bag. So you can, that way you'll have them for years to come, all right? So here, here's the reason that I gave this to you, all right? Everyone listen to me. I, I know that uh, you're probably thinking, okay, this is, you're holding in your hand a lead fishing weight. You're probably thinking, okay, he gave this to me to remind us to be fishers of men. I did not. I did it to take away an excuse that I've heard, which is a horrible excuse. Here's the reason I did this. Many people have told me 
that they don't witness unless they feel led. <laughs> so from now on, if you're thinking about witnessing, I want you to reach in your pocket or your purse, feel led, and go ahead and witness. <laughs>